I feel it's four. Let me pull up SoundCloud and tell you we are on episode. We're on episode four, and we've been working on this for about four months. I know it's bad. It's we've very got to f- hard to motivate you to watch musicals. Okay, here we go. Uh, mad about musicals. One, two. So we've got three in the bag. This will be four. Okay. Hey everybody, welcome to episode four of Mad About Musicals. We're back! We are! We're on hiatus. We had a little moment just trying to tee up times where I could sit down and bash my head against the wall as I watched another musical. But uh, back by popular demand, we are here reviewing your homework, Duncan Robinson, Dream Girls. Indeed. So it's a 2006 musical, a classic rags to riches showbiz fairy tale. I can't believe that this film got six and a half on IMDb. It got 78% on Rotten Tomatoes, so that's a bit better. But I was just so surprised because I just found this film never lagged. It was always entertaining. It features, obviously, incredible music ballads. And by the end, essentially, it was an uplifting experience. Uh, do Do you want me to give, like... I'll give an emotional run, okay, of how this movie tracked for me. The first 20 minutes, I legitimately thought to myself I was going to be won over. Okay. okay? Jamie Foxx was amazing. Eddie Murphy was beyond good as He how- can act, Carney. Yep. This was the film for me where I was like, oh, he's good. He is very good. Make your way to the top, round and around. Try that part right there, baby. Round and around. Make your way. How Eddie Murphy did not win the Oscar for Best Supporting Actor, I'll never know. But Very good. Um, Jamie Foxx, who I know is a very good actor, is very good. The three singers, Beyonce, Queen Bee is great. But I actually think she was upstaged not by Jennifer Hudson. Oh, of course. She was the spectacle. But by the third lady. Really? I liked her the most. Uh, Anika Noni Rose. I really liked her. Here's what happened, though. After that first 20 minutes, I had a Sweeney Todd moment where I was like, please stop singing. You don't need to sing about that. And then by the end of the movie, I was screaming at the TV, no more singing! Uh, And my favourite character, Jamie, becomes a nasty character. And Eddie Murphy becomes this, like, has been washed up. The only thing that redeemed it for me was the Jennifer Hudson comeback part. Yep. And I did like that. But outside of that, I... I was so angry with the movie at the end. It's funny you say that because actually during the preview screenings during the summer of 2006, uh, several minutes worth of the musical and of the songs were actually deleted from the film because audiences had pretty negative reactions to the amount of music. Oh, they, they needed to take more out. And you know what? Jamie Foxx, he actually initially declined the role because they weren't coming, they weren't going to match his salary ask. And then they started reaching out to a couple of other people. When Eddie Murphy and Beyonce signed on, he came to the party 
at a lower salary than he had hoped. But really, I mean, I couldn't imagine some of the people they were approaching was Denzel Washington. I could not see him in that role. No, no, and he does listen. In terms of the character development, I do like the characters and how they develop. I like their level of brokenness. Like, I actually felt like it was gritty. Yes. And um, it dealt... Here's the thing. I felt like it dealt with too many issues all at once. Okay. So, let's just rewind a little bit for people who don't know Dreamgirls. Um, It was based on the Motown record label era. Yep. And it's very loosely aligned to the Supremes. So Beyonce's character is really a bit of a Diana Ross yes. character. Um, Jamie Foxx. Yep. Uh, he is thought to be the founder of Motown, Barry Gordy Jr. Okay, yep. Jennifer Hudson as Effie White was inspired by the Supremes member Florence Ballard. So there's a lot of great history and the the... the the period of music, you've got Motown in there, you've got pop, you've got disco, this great range, and in the back of it all is the civil rights movement. I mean, the, the story goes over about 20 years. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. They, and they cut in all this, yeah, historical drama that's happening in the backdrop, but it is about these characters, and I think one of the things that I loved about it were, as you said, there were broken, flawed characters, every single one of them. I mean, yeah. you've got... Eddie Murphy, who plays the best soul singer around. He's like James Brown type character. And he's singing at the top of his lungs. He's tugging at the heartstrings. And then as his stardom fades and he falls into this depression, which he tries to cope with through drug abuse, and you just get this real-life character that embodies so many stars and the depression they fall to as their stardom fades. There's a river cross, and a mountain to climb. Patience, patience. Oh, it's gonna take some time. Yeah. So for those who don't know, it starts in 1962 in Detroit and Curtis Taylor, who's just a young salesman at the time, he meets a black uh, girl group known as the Dreamettes and he takes a a keen interest in Effie White, the lead singer, and the backup singers Dina Jones and Laurel Robinson. Yeah, yeah. And he becomes their manager and he arranges for the girls to become backup singers for the R&B star Jimmy Early. And it's sort of all about their rise to fame, uh, but the grudges and the uh, manipulation that happens in the background Yeah, as Curtis takes a professional and personal interest in Beyonce's character, Dina, and appoints her the lead singer in Effie's place. Now you listen to me, Miss Blame It on the World. See, I put up with you for much too long. I have put up with your bitching. I put up with your nagging and all your screaming too. Oh, now where are you two gonna stop all this fighting? Stay out of this, LaRelle. This is between Dina yeah. and me. Well, it's between me too. I'm as much a part of this group as anybody else and I'm tired. Effie, I'm tired of all the I always knew you two were together. What? I always knew you two would gang it up on me. She had nothing to do with this change. It was-
was you, it was you always thinking of you, always thinking of you. I knew you were trouble from the start. Trouble? You were real bad trouble from the start. Curtis, I'm your woman. You're getting out now. I'm not building this group to have you tear it apart. Go ahead and rant and scream and shout. Don't worry, baby. I'll buy you out. There's no money dirty enough to buy me out. You remember that, Curtis. You've got, you know, this guy who's so passionate about black artists and getting their voices heard on the radio. But then as soon as he gets a bit of power, I mean, he just becomes this dictator and whoever is in his way, he'll just manipulate and... Well, this was one of the things that I really kind of liked right at the start was that they basically have this run-out sale of Cadillacs to fund the first album, which they can then actually pay radio stations to play. So this is back in the era where it was pay for play and the only people who were able to do that were white performers who were actually ripping off mm. um, Motown music and then re-performing it in kind of like a white style. He makes this decision, man, we're going to do a run-out Cadillac sale, raises the money, gets the EP out, and that's kind of what jettisons this whole mm. Motown movement. And I thought, man, I love this. And then he shifts so rapidly and I start hating him by the end of the movie. But isn't that what happens with a bit of fame and glory and money? You think you can do anything you want? Yeah. And and I think the Dina character that Beyonce plays, who, loosely on Diana Ross, like she doesn't have the best voice in the group. No. Obviously Effie White, played by Jennifer Hudson, but she's pretty. And she's got other parts that sell, right? Yeah. And and that's just such a true-to-life representation of what can often happen with performers these days. Yeah. Is it's sometimes not the most talented, but having the whole package. Yeah. Am I ugly to you, Curtis? I feel about you. Come on. Don't make it personal. Well, what am I supposed to do? Dina's beautiful and she's always been beautiful. But I've got the voice, Curtis. I've got the voice. Yeah, yeah. This is my problem with the whole thing. I I think this movie would have been fantastic if it wasn't Sweeney Todd, let's sing everything. (laughs) If it was, we're going to do five really incredible musical numbers. Like, I... I, I But it's about a band. They're performing. If you want... And it's so powerful in the scene. She's like singing at him. But they zoom in on Jamie and Jamie's like, "Mm, yeah, this is a mad jam. I'm going to make money off this. It's like she's singing about you, man. It's like, how have you fallen so far from the train? I know. This is the film where I think Beyonce proves to the world that she can act. That she is a triple threat dancer, singer, actress. She was so phenomenal in this. But... I have to say, Jennifer Hudson steals the show for me. Oh, she's brilliant. 
723 people applied for this role. Wow. And no one knew Jennifer Hudson. She was just, uh, well, I mean, American Idol. American Idol, but yeah. But no yeah. one in, in film. She hadn't done a, a movie before. And I just think her portrayal of Effie White was spot on. Her vulnerability, the power in her voice and the range. Apparently the director was trying to get her to really get a feel for the diva nature of Effie mm. White and he would tell her to come to set late and he wouldn't tell anyone else. And so she'd come in and she'd get these like, you know, stares and this disappointment from cast and crew who she'd been stuffing around. But the director was like, you need to know how divas might get treated. Yeah. You need to dig it up. Yeah. Front ways or back ways. Storeball hair ain't natural. And what about these dresses? I mean, this dress does nothing for my body. You got the same wig I got? Yeah. You got the same dress I got? Yeah. Then shut up. Well, she, and she does play it so well. I, I think one of the challenge with Jennifer Hudson's character is that her voice is so powerful yeah. and so good. It, I feel like it sits on another level to the rest of the music in, in, the, in the show. I think I'm Telling You is the most powerful emotional song I've ever heard in a musical. In actual fact, Bill Condon, the director, he scheduled the shooting of that song to be the last scene that they filmed. He wanted to give Jennifer Hudson the most time possible to grow into her character, and it took about four days uh, shooting this number. No, 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 no way. I'm not get chills when I hear her belt this song. Yeah. I, I think the first time I watched it, I was ugly crying. Like, this was just so <laughs> powerful. And and she got the Oscar for this role. Yeah. Uh, my This is my problem, though, is that it would have been so much better and so much more powerful if it didn't have all the other dinky songs around it. If this was... If there was five songs... That were all extraordinary, and this was one of them. It would have sat out so much further, but I have to trawl through all these little sing songs to get to this like anvil of a hit. Really, I just love the range. Yeah, like I said, the the disco era, the the pop music, the Motown feel. I think all these little songs just bring that period alive, and they're not all award winning. Songs, but they're the ones that would be in the back of your Cadillac as you're cruising along. So put them there. Don't make the... Like, here's the thing that I think is really significant about this. Every single one of these characters is a profoundly good actor. Mm-hmm. The three girls, the Eddie Murphy, Jamie Foxx, all the supporting cast, right? Absolutely brilliant. Mm-hmm. Okay? They don't need to sing it. Just act... <laughs> Put it in the background. You can shove it on the CD at the end and then put your energy into five great songs within the musical. Gosh. I I mean, that just sounds like a silly argument to me, but it makes me feel like I'm not winning you over at all. Move, move, move. 
this film, and, and the reason why I introduced you to this film was because I wanted to show you what a contemporary movie musical was like, as opposed to Singing in the Rain, which we watched last time, yeah, where yeah, it yeah. all began. I wanted to show you how good the modern musical movement was, the authenticity of characters, the, um, the yeah, just how good the music is. But I think this particular story is so predictable for me. The characters and the plot line, nothing happens. They're all broken at the end. They're all broken and there's some redeeming parts where the group gets back together. Effie White gets justice. It's not the same. It's like a hot mess with this kind of slight redemption where you're like, yeah, we're back together, but it's not quite the same. And Yeah. For me, it was more that they were quite cliched characters. You've yes, got the, agreed. You've got the diva. Yes. You've got the one who gets caught up in stardom. You've got the record manager who's taking everyone for a ride. Everything for me was a little bit predictable. Yep. But it didn't take away from my enjoyment. Like the character development over the 20 years or so that this covers. Yeah. Each, because sometimes it's just like the main characters, the main protagonists have something. Yeah, yeah. Haven't. But it was, like you said, every single character had their faults, had their talents, and it was just real and gritty. And there was that redeeming ending where things came good. Yeah. But, yeah, if I could fault it on anything, it would be the predictability of the story. Yeah, certainly I was never expecting a plot twist at any stage. I just felt like what was underdone. I honestly, I wanted a scene where not Beyonce or Jennifer, the third girl, Mm -hmm. confronted Eddie Murphy and there was just this hardcore, gripping kind of fight between them, verbal, like, screaming, and it never happened. And then between Jennifer and Jamie, I got it, but in the form of a song. (laughs) And I was like, oh, okay, yep, no, that makes sense. Do it that way because she's got the voice for it. But then then it's like, let's do the exact same thing again with Beyonce and Jamie. It's like, can someone please mix this up somehow and come at it from a different angle? And that, that kind of is what was crushing for me. It was like, oh, they're about to have a fight, which means we're going to have a song. Here it comes. And it's like, oh, I just got exhausted. Really? So I, by the end of this film, yeah. I appreciated the acting prowess more of Jennifer Hudson and Beyonce than I ever had before. Mm. But I was like, do not sing another darn song again. Don't. Stop. Speak. That's that's uh, the last song kicked in, and I was like, no, no more. Sorry, I'm muting this until it's done. Hundred percent disagree. You go, Mrs. Carter. You go, girl. (laughs) (laughs) Um, listen, here's I. I'm trying to liken it this to Singing in the Rain. Okay, I actually think the Singing in the Rain team was more talented. They had to do more. They had to dance. And they had to do these lavish set dances, which I actually think probably took a little bit more out of them than the Dreamgirls cast. Yeah, the dancing in Motown days wasn't particularly technical, was it? No. (laughs) And so I I think, you know, like I look at um, uh, the cast from Singing in the Rain, I think, man, what you accomplished in that was astounding. Like you don't have special effects. You've just got to do this. And what you did and the ability to be able to sing and do that at the same time, 
breathtaking. I look at Dreamgirls and I go, Beyonce, I had no hope that you could act. You yeah, know, like uh, I, I didn't mean, think you were going to be like what, what Jennifer. What was the Mike Myers one she did? She's a- Austin Powers. Oh, yeah. We saw her in Austin Powers. On. So bad. I wasn't too excited for her in this role, but then, wow. It was like, yeah, and, and Jennifer Hudson was like, for me, like, whoa, you you are profoundly talented. Mm. But the problem was they did, I don't felt like they reached the bar yeah. that Eddie Murphy and Jamie Foxx were on. Yeah, it was quite incredible, the transformation between feeling like Jamie Foxx's character was this hero mm. in a sense, you know, really trying to smash that colour barrier for coloured artists. But then when he just becomes, you know, this tyrant with a vision and, you know, he doesn't really care about who he's stuffing around to make his vision come alive, I was like, wow, I really hate you. Yep. I found this musical had everything. Ambition and self-fulfillment. Yep. Selling out for money and fame. But what I'm hearing is that the music gets away in the way of those messages for you. I want, like, I'm into '90s R&B. You know, like I like, I like the concept around Motown, right? Like, I I want to understand um, African American history. I want to understand the plight of the '60s, '70s, '80s, and '90s. You know, mm. like as as we see kind of black America form equality of rights and the challenges associated by that. And, Mm. you know, uh, everything that goes along with that. It's one of the reasons I, you know, really appreciate 90s rap is because there's this undertone of injustice that they wanted to address and they were addressing in such a powerful and abrasive way that that for me was engaging mm-hmm. and I, and like like you know like I'm a white guy from suburbia in Australia <laughs> but for some reason R&B spoke to me and said there's an injustice here there is a systemic problem and we wanted to address it which is one of the reasons why I like rap mm. and so it, it you know like if there was Something somewhere that I could go. All right, let me sink my teeth into maybe that kind of music stuff. Maybe then I I could start to be one. All right. So good news and bad news. Next week's homework is all about rap and R and B. You are going to sink your teeth into the cast recording of Lin Manuel Miranda's Hamilton. Okay. Which won about thirteen Tony Awards and is, I think, my favorite musical. Problem is, you say less music, that's one of those musicals that is all singing. Sweet mercy. (laughs) But it's rap and R&B, and I think that you're going to find the history and modern take on it so fascinating, and the lyrics are just brilliantly composed. So I'm going to give you my copy of the cast recording, so you don't have to watch it on YouTube with all the ads, and enjoy. All right. We'll talk next week. I'll queue it up in the car and I will be listening to it all this week.